Nicole Papastavrou from Collius, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, welcome back, everyone. Sunny here with a brand new episode of Interview Under Fire. Nicole Papastavrou, thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. An important yet exciting time of the year for you guys over at Callius with the release of your brand new EP, The Fourth Phase which recently dropped October 30th. It's already been a week, over a week almost. And it's on all streaming services and platforms. You know, first off, congratulations on all of the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far. Shout outs to Metal Injection and Metal Sucks for the praises you guys have been getting. Before we get to all that, I'm going to ask a very important question to start things off. It's a very simple one, but I think it's an important one to ask considering where we are at our lives at this point. How are you, Nicole? (laughs) How have things been for you and the band as of late? How's life in California right now? I'm doing great and I'm hanging in there just like everybody else. And um, just like a lot of bands right now, we're, we're doing everything we can to stay afloat and, you know, put out new music and keep people interested seeing as we are a new band. So it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit more work for us, but you know, we're, we're all on board to putting in that work and, you know, we just want to get this thing out there and we want people to hear it and we want feedback and, you know, we're, we're already writing for the next record. So, you know, we're keeping busy. That's exciting stuff already. Like when I already when I heard this album, now you're talking about new stuff like already coming up. That's that's already good things. You know, I want to rewind the clock here a little bit. Uh, the story of Cali is between you, Zachy, JP and Chris. And I know chemistry is something that is very important to you guys. And everything just kind of just clicked between the four of you. And I know it started off with, I think there's a story about you just wanting to jam with the drummer and you guys ran into each other and Nam and the rest is just history, right? How did that all come about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, I, I stumbled across JP because a friend connected me with, a, you know, a local drummer and, you know, I was kind of checking him out before I hit him up and um, just like watching his videos online and, and then that's when I noticed he was playing with uh, another eight string player. And I kind of just like gave up for a while on looking for another eight string player to jam with, because it just seemed like everybody is just either like in a serious band already or nobody plays eight string, you know? And the previous band that I was in, another like instrumental prog band, it was always just me on guitar. So, and we never played live and, you know, you know, some of these layers and it was just like a recording project. And like, I'm never going to be able to play all of this by myself live. And there's going to be a shit ton of backing tracks. Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I discovered JP and then um, soon thereafter, uh, Zaki, um, you know, I had to have that conversation with Zaki, like, yo, like what, what are you doing? You know, like <laughs> we got to do something together. So we got on that same page and um, you know, he told me he had been jamming with JP um, he had a couple song, like instrumental, like prog songs, and it was totally in the vein of like what I was doing myself. So I feel like I had finally like met my match and then like also met my dream drummer to jam with too. Um, and I pulled my, my bass player that I had been playing with for like seven years and other projects as well. And I knew he was going to be stoked about, you know, this new endeavor. So that's how everything kind of came about. You know, speaking of like jamming with with the four of you all together, and, and obviously that already sounds like you guys build chemistry off the bat, you know, being away from the stage a lot as of late, Nicole, 
how are you keeping up your guitar chops these days? Is that affecting your musicianship? Has anything changed for your routine wise lately, if at all? Oh, I've, you know, I've been away from the stage, so to say, for a while now. So, I mean, it's, it's not even a thing for me because I'm constantly writing and um, creating content, you know, so I'm always like learning new things. And then like, um, you know, being away from the band this summer was kind of like, that was the shittiest thing, right? Because mm. we had spent so much time writing this music and recording, mixing, mastering, practicing together, getting ready for our first shows. And then our first show was supposed to be March 14th. And then we had two more scheduled after that. And all of those got canceled, obviously. It was right at the beginning of lockdown. So, you know, we spent all this time like getting our chops up together as a band um, and really like kind of for nothing, right? You know, maybe to practice for the, the music video shoot or like some extra content playthroughs. Um, but other than that, um, you know, Zachy and I were uh, writing over FaceTime over the summer. So we were kind of like, you know, exchanging riffs and teaching each other things. And then I would send him DIs. And uh, that's how we actually been writing for, for the full length for next year. So okay, we're yeah. trying to trying to be a step ahead now, you know. Yeah, and you know, making the best of the situation is definitely what you guys are doing. It's it, it was definitely shitty for like everybody too. Like I don't know what it was like for you. I was at a show every week before the lockdown, and I haven't been to a show in like what uh, six seven months. I haven't been to a movie in six seven months. It's I don't want to say this is near norm, but it's like we're reaching the end of twenty twenty, and I I can't believe I'm even like telling you that. So, but you know, you're, you guys are, you guys are still making music. At least that part, know, is, that part is important. I'm so glad that, of course, yeah, that, that's the important part. And, and, you know, with that being said, like, I'm, I wasn't going to shows for, for a long time. And, and I'm so glad that the last show that I did see was Opeth. So, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that was a good way to go out. <laughs> yeah. I saw Opeth in February, actually, when they were doing that uh, tour for, um, I, th I think they were with Graveyard. I don't know. If, I don't know if that was the same tour. I did. They were just alone when I saw them, but it was around that time. It was in February. And I know Nicole, you've been touring since you were eighteen. So I want to talk about that. You know, how was the touring life for you personally? Because you've done some extensive touring, whether it's with you know, well, maybe not as much with Kalias, but you know, We Start Wars, Ira Hayes, you know, Meridium, and. It's kind of, you know, you're taking kind of taking like an unseen step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because we're talking, you know, culture, fans, even the food. There's just so many things to pick apart about the touring life. What makes it amazing? What was your favorite part about it now that, you know, we're here at our point in our lives? Yeah, you know, I actually I haven't done any extensive touring in in years now. Um, the previous bands that I was in, we, we played a lot of shows and everything. But I was mostly touring full time for like maybe four years uh, with hardcore bands. And and that's kind of started when I was like 18, 19. Um, and a lot of that stuff was really like DIY tours. Like, I mean, the, the one world tour that I did, I booked myself <laughs> and I was like, I, don't, I, I was like 23, 24 years old. Yeah, very, very DIY. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. <laughs> it was yeah. one of the things where like we wrote and recorded a full length record and booked like a three month long world tour. 
and got everything done. And then we were touring for a few years after that, like in the U S and Europe and everything, and really just booking everything ourselves. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you did that. Now you can say you did that. And now you took that experience and now you can maybe plug it into the future. You know, yeah. a very popular topic on this show for the last six months, and you've seen this and a lot of the bands I've been doing it is live streaming uh, bands, yes. what they're doing on stage or taking to the screen, you know, like we're doing talking right now, you know, Lamb of God did it. Code Orange were one of the first bands to do it. I think like two days after lockdown, they did that. I saw they, that, they yeah. did that concert at the empty venue, streamed it, for the, uh, streamed it for the fans. We've had uh, Insomnium on the show and Nilo was telling me about his experience on selling virtual tickets to the fans online yeah. and then pre-recording it. August Burns Red is doing one uh, at the end of this week. So I wanted to ask, with all the experience you've taken in, with all the connections you've made throughout your career, does this, you know, this pandemic that we're in, do you think this quarantine-induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now from all these bands, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward through your eyes? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? Mm, I I don't really think so. I feel like once this is over, like people are going to be itching to like be in front of live music. You know, I think yeah. everyone's going to kind of be tired of like staring at their screens because that's <laughs> all we're doing right now is like, oh, we got to push out all this content and we got to prepare for a live stream and and videos and playthroughs and this, this and that. It's like, oh my God, it's like, it's, it's oversaturated as it is, right? Yeah. So I think when shows come back, I think like there's going to be this new appreciation for live music. I mean, I hope that there's going to be a new appreciation for live music because I mean, I'll admit I even, I've, I've gotten so caught up in my own world to where like, I, I kind of pushed live shows to the side for a while because I was so busy writing and just focusing on being in the studio and, you know, that's fine to take a break after a while, but then now I'm like, Oh my God, like, I, I can't wait for shows to start up again to even just go to a show and play a show and all that. You know what I did? Uh, I don't know if you knew about this two months ago, Metallica did this live, not live streaming. They did the pre-recorded show and they yeah. streamed it for the States. Um, Dallas sold out immediately. So luckily a friend of mine got a, uh, got a ticket and I was like, okay, sure. I'll go. I mean, I'm, I mean, believe it or not, that was my first ever Metallica experience. I know someone yeah. like me who's been to so many shows, how have you not seen Metallica yet in your life? So I went and it just made me miss the live experience even more. And what's the most popular thing we hear for metal bands? Oh, let me see your horns, you know, and you see just a sea of horns of the crowd. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, you get that high when you see that instead, yeah. what do we get? Uh, we got, hey, let me hear you guys honk your horns. So if you like roll down your window, you just hear just a sea of cars just honking their horns, like just in the middle of the night in this desert. And it was just so crazy. It, it was great. It got to, you got to see other fans. If It had that vibe of a live experience. But once you're actually looking at a screen, it's like, okay, uh, what station and, you know, everything else in between kind of just fell into place. But anyway, I digress. That's That's definitely trying to make the best of the situation. Metallica did that, you know. And of course, we talked about the other bands have done it, but that's something to keep in mind. I mean, if who knows how long this will continue, God forbid, it, you know, it stops. Hopefully it stops really, really soon because it does make me miss, you know, the live experience even more. So I don't know if you had a chance to see any of those things yet. No, I, I haven't. Um, but, you know, I do realize that, I mean, it is a possibility that, um, you know, this is going to be going on for longer than we want, obviously. And and we're just going to have to conform as artists, you know, if we want to survive throughout all this, like, 
with the live streaming or whether it's me drive-in shows or just uh, venue capacities, like, you know, being at half or whatever it is, just being at a show with, with your mask on, it's like, this might just be the new thing for, for a while. Oh man, it was so bizarre. Like just, of course, Texas is just like on its head right now. Cause we never know what phase we're in anymore. Ironically yeah. enough, the fourth phase, you know, your, your new EP, yeah. let's, let's, let's talk about the fourth phase. I know we covered everything from head to toe. The new EP came out October 30th on all streaming platforms, you know, between foes and metempsychosis, black dream and the fourth phase of title track. And that features Rick Graham, man, for me, con- considering you talk about Opeth, I mean, you know, I grew up listening to bands like that, you know, Meshuggah, Decapitated. And it was so cerebral for me. It was such an emotional experience, which is very, that's not the norm for someone like me to say, considering you guys are an instrumental band. And that's a little different because the technicality of the cleans and the progressions, it was blended so well. And as far as progressive death metal for me, that was, that's as good as it gets. And you know what I heard? Chemistry. And that's exactly what you guys had between the four of you. And, you know, I know you guys take, you know, you and Zachy take your influence, you know, from Jeff Loomis, Michael from Opeth, you know, Friedrich Dordendahl and like the bands I just mentioned. How much did things change, if at all, from when you first started composing on this EP to where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? Did nothing change in between? Was there already a specific sound you guys knew you wanted with the fourth phase? So the fourth phase was really um, the first song we wrote organically as a band. So the other three songs um, were kind of brought in and embellished by everybody. So Zachy had some Mm. things he was working on, he brought in, and I had, you know, a song or two I was working on that I brought in um, and had some riffs. And the the fourth song, which ended up being called The Fourth Phase, was really when we all came together and we're like, you know what, this is this is really going to be the true sound of the band. I mean, everything else, like, kind, you know, that's the song that really ties it together. So that's why we named it that and um, made it the title track. And we made it the, the single that we released because we're like, you know, this is this is really going to be the direction that we're going in. And all the other songs is kind of a, a mesh of like my style and Zachy's style. And, you know, you hear like what everybody has going on. Um, but really, I think you're going to start to hear um, more of like what we're going for in the upcoming record for next year. So it's, that's where things are really going to be changing. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the fourth phase. I didn't even think about this now. It's so ironic. Like the phase yeah. is going on in the United States. I don't know if that crossed your mind too. That's so ironic that it, it was funny. <laughs> that was coincidence when this year we're like, oh, maybe we should do some sort of marketing thing when the fourth phase comes out oh and use gosh. our song. And I'm like, ah, yeah. Man, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll endorse it for sure. And, you know, it was recorded and mixed and mastered by Zachy also at Redshift Recording. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Was there, a, I'm, I'm assuming there'd be a sense of comfortability in the studio for you guys, knowing that Zachy was at the helm putting everything oh, together. Absolutely. Because, um, I mean, Zachy, he's not only is he an engineer, uh, but he's also a, a drummer and he's also a really sick drummer. Um, but oh, he yeah. went to school for guitar and music, you know, theory, co- composition. Um, so he has like, he's just a very musical person and very well-rounded and he has a great ear and that studio is, is our home, like for Collius, you know, that's where that was like our, our birthplace and then everything we're writing 
um, you know, it's, it's been very efficient process for us and um, being able to have that there, you know, the drums are always mic'd up. Uh, we can record DIs. Uh, we have an array of amps to choose from to, to reamp things and, and everything, everything is just there for us. So it's, I mean, the comfort level is, is awesome writing and, and just being in the same room all the time. Yeah, that is very important. Let's talk about that music video, Black Dream. Okay, as a sci-fi fan, you guys hit it home for someone like me. Um, now, yeah. you guys did talk about that video slash song, you know, wanting to transcend different emotions that vibes within one song and video. And you guys did describe it as an alien abduction or night terrors that abductees claim to experience, even though you guys also said you wanted to leave it for interpretation. And for an instrumental band, it, which is different than a band having a vocalist. So, Nicole, also, I'm going to point out to my listeners, Kalias means beauty in Greek. Nicole, I want to ask, to what level do you like to have a theme for your music? And how important are themes to you guys? Is that more about helping you guys write or sound? Or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it. But I felt like with Kalias, there's a specific dilemma you guys wanted to reach with the fourth phase. Yeah, I think it. I think it's definitely both because we're all, with instrumental music. We definitely um, we're kind of following a thread and want to go um, off of like a vibe, right? There's no um, traditional structure that we're going for, you know. Like we kind of write part by part, and then if we feel like okay, like this is getting really busy, maybe we should open things up and like you know take this somewhere else, take the listener somewhere else. Cause it's all, it's like a story, right? Mm -hmm. Start to finish. And you kind of want everything to come full circle. So, you know, with, with black, it's always hard to, to think of names for instrumental bands. We're like, I don't know. It's kind of like a darkish vibe and this, this and that. And then, you know, it came up with that name. And then when we thought of the music video, I'm like, okay, let me try to think of, you know, what kind of visuals do I get? You know, we're all kind of sci-fi nerds too. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, I had this, uh, and I'm, I'm a huge like X-Files fan back in the day, right? Oh my so I'm gosh. like, what if we do something we're, with we're, like... We're going to have a separate episode just talking about movies. If you're going to bring all this yes, stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> we can have an X-Files episode. <laughs> um, so I thought like, what if we do something like weird, really weird alien abduction, like with like, you know, the black oil episodes or something. Yeah. Like that. And um, I didn't really want to do any sort of storyline because I don't know, it's like, it's instrumental and I can't, I can't think of anything storyline related. That's creative. That's just not me. So I thought of visuals and um, you know, I told um, Kurt, our videographer at Sirius cinema, you know, I have this idea to kind of just, cover ourselves in this like black ooze and make it really weird and have all these hands coming out and and touching us and like you know really cool like effects and everything and he's like okay I think I can you know put together something like that for you and he ended up building this closet and painted it black and then he drilled some holes in it for people to stick their hands in and he put a light overhead and then, you know, that's where we started getting messy, right? And, and the, the rest of the guys in the band, like, really had no idea, like, that this was going to happen. So, you know, I kind of told them, the hint I gave was like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get messy. And at some point, we're going to be covered in this, like, black paint, black ooze or whatever. So they were like, okay, you know, whatever, sounds cool. And then we got there and we're like, okay, like, all these hands going to be coming out on all of us and getting, you know, touching our face and our mouth and 
it's going to get kind of gross. And we ended up having so much fun with it. And, and then yeah. in result, like we're looking back and we're like, this, this is like a little uncomfortable to watch at times. <laughs> like it's a little, it's a little weird, but I like that, you know, like I kind of want to make people like a little bit uncomfortable and looking at it. Like that's kind of, that's kind of gross. Like what's that stuff coming out of their mouth and like, <laughs> Yeah, hey, it's a little bit of a shock value, right? <laughs> hey, hey, if I may, I mean, and think about everything you're saying. This is your first music video as, with, you know, as a yeah. collective unit. Now think about what will happen, you know, down the road. You got me excited. You know, I'm already excited for the future for you guys. But as far as like the visual <laughs> representation and live music, oh, my gosh, can you imagine? I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there, yeah. like as far as a live presentation. And now people will understand, oh, my gosh, OK, this is who they are. This is what they want to uh, show about themselves. Like, I mean, as sci-fi, that's as good as it gets. And yeah. I want to jump into something else that's very important. You know, this past summer, Nicole, you joined the roster of a very prominent guitar establishment, Jackson Guitars. And yeah. some of the more notable musicians that stand alongside you are of that said roster are Dave Ellison, Marty Freeman, Phil Demel, Gus G, who we talked about. He was on the show. Great individual. Scott Ian, uh, Jeff Loomis. I mean, the list goes on. So, Nicole, you know. What is the most rewarding part for someone like you who is now at this point in their career and at the same time has been involved with so many other different talented bands, artists, individuals throughout that timeline? Did all that play a part in helping you grow as an artist? Absolutely. I'm, I'm still like in shock and just so grateful to be a part of such an iconic brand of guitars. So for me, I, I feel like that's an accomplishment in itself. I'm just like, wow, like, does this mean like I made it? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really, really cool. And, um, you know, I, I kind of already felt like I was part of the family because um, I was with EVH Amps. And, you know, that came about when, you know, I was playing with uh, Nita Strauss and We Start Wars and... Uh, that's when my rep, Mike Tempesta, got a hold of me and, you know, offered me, you know, the, the deal with, with EVH. And I had been playing Mesa for like 10 years, so I wasn't even looking to really like switch companies or anything. But he invited me to the shop and I played on the amp and I was like instantly convinced. I was like, dang, this sounds really mean, like on an eight string guitar, like it, everything sounds so tight. And that's the sound that I want. No, it was kind of, I feel like my stepping stone to really, to make that switch um, to, to Jackson as well and really be part of the family. And Mike has like been such an amazing rep, like the, the things he's done for me, I'll be forever grateful for, especially because I, you know, I, even though I've been doing this for so long, I'm still a small artist. So, you know, I'm doing, I'm putting in the work and I'm doing everything I can to, promote my band and also promote all these uh, brands and, and companies that I believe in and that, you know, have shown me so much love and believe in me and have been promoting my music over the years. That just tells me that you're, you're, you're showing dedication to your craft and everyone's got to yeah. start somewhere and you've got a, you've got a long way to get to, to this point and, and you've achieved so much and yeah, Hell yeah. I would, I would belt all this out. I, I play for Jackson guitars, you know, it's, it's definitely, I know it's a, uh, the challenging thing is, of course, to stay humble, especially in a year like this year. But, you know, you, you've accomplished so so much in, in a year where a lot of people are struggling. And it's definitely something to take a hold of and 
you know, that's just my opinion out of, out of, out of a million people, but I feel like you have come a long way to get you get to where you wanted to get and you've achieved a lot. Do you see like all this, you know, do you see this as like a snapshot of where you are at a certain time in your life? You know, you can tie a fourth, the fourth phase into this too, you know, and I like to ask this question because it's easy to look back on a song like the fourth phase or an EP like the fourth phase, you're signing with Jackson, your collaborations with all these incredibly musicians, even, even yourself, you know, it's easy to look back on this and be like, Oh, this was the pandemic album. Oh, this was, this happened during the pandemic. It's it's so easy to say that, but the way I see it, it allowed us, you know, people like you and me, people like other people that I've had on the show, amazing guests, it allowed us a chance to grow. You know, that's another way to look at it. It's so easy to be negative, but as far as being positive, I, I definitely encourage people to do that. And, and I feel like, I feel like you would have that same feeling, right? Like you've achieved so I much, do. you take the positive out of this entire year. Yeah, it's definitely um, a time to grow and, and reevaluate. And um, I think it's like that for a lot of people right now, you know, I understand like a lot of people going through some really hard times right now and, you know, losing their businesses and losing income. And, you know, like I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, my, my industry is shut down too. Like I was working in entertainment. So, but at the same time, it's like it, I feel like this, this year has also given people the time to reevaluate and reinvent themselves and maybe focus a little bit more on something that like they kind of pushed to the side before. And, you know, for me, I'm like, okay, well, you know, right now, like I'm not working. So it's like, I'm going to put everything that I'm doing into my music until I am working again. And, you know, and hopefully that can get me a little bit ahead in what I need to do and for the band and all that. So. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to tie it into the, uh, the interviews we do in person, bring those vegan colleagues out there. Anyway, that's going to be a whole different conversation, you know, whether it's with Callius or Ira Hayes or Meridium or we start wars, you know, and that includes your collaboration with Nita Strauss, have your aspirations as a person or even as a band, have they changed or evolved since when you first started playing in the industry? Do you see things differently now? Um, I definitely feel a bit wiser, but I feel like the end goal is, is always the same, you know, like we're, we're doing this because it, it makes us so happy. And, and personally, I can't imagine doing anything else or putting all my energy into anything else. This is music has always been number one for me, you know, and everything else kind of just follows that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like, you know, jamming with all these different players, I've learned so much over the years and just even developed new skills and, um, and learned a lot with technology and how to market yourself online, you know, creating content. Like I'm always looking to, improve and I'll still always consider myself a student when it comes to that yeah you know, I'm always trying to learn and and keep up with things and you know and with with music as well and the way I see it is you're never too old to learn a lesson and it gives you a chance to grow each and every year as cliche as that sounds man I can't beat that far enough because that's that's so true and I wouldn't have got I mean I was the shyest kid like 10 years ago I wouldn't be able to carry a conversation like this and now you know I'm doing what I love with a passion another thing I want to tie into that if you weren't a musician has this ever crossed your mind Nicole if you weren't a musician what would you be doing right now oh I don't know maybe uh, (laughs) if I didn't get into music um, I would probably have finished my biochemistry degree and been like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was definitely, I was into like science and stuff. 
I like asking that question. There's no, there's no right or wrong answer to this, obviously, because it's always interesting to hear that perspective. You know, some artists would be like, oh, I, I would never be involved. I would find a way to be involved in music one way or another, you know? Listen, I grew up with an engineering degree. And, you know, my mom is a musician. She's a, she's, a, she's a music artist. And both of my brothers are musicians. And I come from a music family. I think it just, it's crazy how things kind of just line up the further you are into your life. And, you know, here we are. And that's how we connected. I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, one last question. I'm going to finish things off here. Unfortunately, we, we're running out of time. But five favorite albums you can think of at the top of your head. Oh, okay. At the top of your head. Um. I will say um, Meshuga, Destroy, Race, Improve. Awesome. Um, Nile, Annihilation of the Wicked. Awesome. Okay. Um, let's do Pantera, Cowboys from Hell. I'm from Texas. That, that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> um, Opeth. I don't know how to choose wait, one wait, record. Wait, 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 wait. Before you answer that. Because I have a favorite Opeth record too, okay? I'm going to count down, and we're going to say our favorite Opeth record. You ready? You got, uh, you got it? You ready? Okay, okay, okay. 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 One, two, three. Black Ghost Water Referees. <laughs> that was going to be my other one. I swear that was going to be my other one. That's, that my, that's, my, <laughs> that's my second favorite, actually, Blackwater Park. Because it took me forever to nail that between Ghost Referees and Blackwater Park. Because Ghost Referees... The first song I heard on there was Baying of the Hounds, and that just blew me away. And that kind of just, you know, took me by surprise. But um, anyway, your fifth yeah. one, that, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty funny how <laughs> it's like reversed. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to kind of go a little bit far left with my fifth one and say Porcupine Tree, uh, oh. Light Sun. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I haven't heard that in a while, actually. Porcupine. That's a very unconventional choice. And I like that you said that because that actually shows yes. how how diverse your music catalog is where you get your influences from and um yeah well opeth uh, porcupine tree steve wilson yeah there you go um yeah by the way on a side note today's chaos fears like birthday or something like that i don't know i think um revolver oh, mag it? yeah it is and chaos Fears is one the first mishuga album i heard and mishuga is still just it's one of those like <laughs> i yeah. can't even begin describe it but you guys are definitely like caught my ear when it comes to that but <laughs> Nicole, this has been a pleasure, man. I can't wait till we do this in person. Obviously, I, I would love to have you and Zachy, JP, and Chris like all together do this. Love to do that wings interview. Um, not wings, but you know, you know what I'm talking about, like the cauliflower wings yeah. and all that stuff we're talking about before the interview started. Yes. But do you have any like last words, any shout-outs? Is anything you want to mention to the fans who are listening that maybe Callius has coming forward in the future? Um, yeah, just keep a lookout because um, we're going to have some new music in the spring. And uh, we also have a lot of content coming out right now, um, you know, as far as playthroughs and everything. We got a playthrough out with, with Jackson. Um, we're going to have another one coming out with Gear Gods, um, some stuff with Sick Drummer, Warwick. So just keep an eye out oh, for man. all of that and um, check out the EP on whatever platform you guys listen to. And uh, we also have some merch for sale at colliusofficial.com. And everyone who's listening, you know, buy the merch. I cannot stress that 
anymore because yes, the bands can't do it without the fans. I still have a record like like that corner, like on the opposite end of my room. I just have records just piling out that I bought this year. I still buy records. You know, I just I just bought a I just bought a cassette. <laughs> I just bought a cassette from a band called the Arson Choir, and it was just something that it's it's nice. It's a nice throwback. It's crazy our cassettes are coming back, but everyone's listening. You know, uh, buy the merch, and and you know these bands will be on the road as soon as you know. Nicole from Collius, thank you so much for the bottom of my heart. You know, please be safe out there and we'll do this again in the future, okay? Yes, thank you so much. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.